Welcome to Your Gal Friday, a podcast about female leaders, innovators, and rule breakers. Each week, your hosts, Leah and Phoebe, will shine a spotlight on an amazing gal and talk about what we can all learn from her. Brought to you by Gal's Guide to the Galaxy. Welcome to Your Gal Friday. I am Dr. Leah Leach. And I'm Phoebe Freer. Today we are talking about a gal who picked up a guitar at the age of 13, formed a band at 15, and at this moment is touring the country to audiences who, you guessed it, love rock and roll. So put another quarter in the jukebox, baby, because today we are going to talk about the godmother of punk, the queen of rock and roll, the life, the legacy of your gal, Joan Jett. Oh my god, I love your wordplay. All, all the wordplay. <laughs> all the wordplay. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, she's too cool to not she, to. I mean, it's saying. so true. It's so true. And she embraces it with everything. I mean, I love rock and roll. Yes. Come on. That's how we all know Joan Jett. Am I right? Totally. Absolutely. Right. I've heard her greatest hits countless times, both on purpose and on accident. And she's an icon without you even realizing it. In fact, she is she is the known name who sings those songs that feels like they should have always existed before the dawn of time. At least that's how I see it. Like I like that point. Yeah. To yeah. think of like, oh, there was a time before the song I Love Rock and Roll. That's just weird. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't seem possible. I mean, and she's the person that you feel like everyone should know about. And yet when you ask yourself, what do you know about Joan Jett? The answer is simply that she loves rock and roll and usually nothing right. more. Um, that's why I'm excited to cover her today because I, she, like, I love rock and roll. She loves rock and roll. She's, I mean, just all of these reasons I, I'm so excited for today. Yeah. And you want to know more about her as a three-dimensional exactly, person. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, we have something in common. Let's see what else we have exactly, in common. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. Well, I mean, what I knew, like, before research and before the episode is uh, that she's the one I had the most to learn about in our series. Oh, wow. Because, uh, like I said, in the prologue, I accidentally would flip-flop and kind of combine, actually, Joan Jett and Chrissy Hines. So, you know, making sure I knew which one was which is new. So I have ended this week with them being two totally separate and remarkable ladies to their own Yay. right now. So <laughs> I love that. I will also say I am smitten by oh Joan Jett. God, yeah. She is an intellectual. She is compassionate. She is a rebel indie. And oh, my goodness, I just loved spending time with her. Um, now, actually, speaking of independent... Last week, I set the tone with the start of rock and roll, the brief history, if you will. So how about this week, I set the tone of the brief history of punk? Yeah, how that about sounds that? great. It's a little bit closer to like what Joan's going through, like the time, the feel, the environment that Joan totally. was in. I figured punk. Oh, yeah. We, <laughs> history. I'm pretty sure All the right. punk fans out there will be really upset if we didn't. So good on you for your covering right. list. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> I do love my punk history. Uh, in 100% disclosure, I wrote a screenplay 
about that started at the uh, in the seventies at the beginnings of punk about a band, oh, and so I did a ton of gosh. research, and so it was really fun going back into this because I'm like, all right, what was the research? From yeah, then? totally. <laughs> so this was like a refresher for me. <laughs> yeah, my my one friend is super super into punk to the point where it's like kind of as a getting to know me type gift she gave me a book about punk like the history of punk which i haven't read yet but like it's like it's on my list so yeah it was pretty funny it was pretty great (laughs) it's it's a fascinating history you'll dig it it has a lot of rock and roll ties and a lot of diy ties which you'll see as well too So here is the brief, ever so brief history of punk. So punk rock came out of rock and roll, uh, making its mark in the late 70s. But at the time, there was this thing called disco at the top of the charts. But in a garage somewhere was a kid playing three chords and screaming his angst out for anyone who would listen. Now, punk's origins are in America, and they go back as far as the 1960s with bands like the Stooges and the MC5 and Velvet. Velvet Underground, as well as the glam rock scene of the New York Dolls. It all kind of coalesced at CBGBs in New York, where the cool kids got to know the Ramones, the Talking Heads, and Blondie. So in New York, an Englishman who owned a clothing shop was trying to give the New York Dolls a new look, and he failed. He returned to England and thought about finding a few lads to start his own band. In England, it was really rough goings at the time. Many unions were on strike, most Famously, the garbage workers were on strike, leaving city streets to look like dump yards. It was the striking union workers, and there was also just not enough work. Unemployment was at an all-time high. Teens were swimming in trash, unemployed, and pissed off at their government. Now, that Englishman was Malcolm McLaren, and the band that he formed was the Sex Pistols. That band created a British punk scene that became so solid, so quick, that it spurred so many bands and it cemented that punk was a force to be reckoned with and now it was a force to be reckoned with on two continents and Joan Jett was right in the middle of both so before we get there maybe we should start with where she started which is where she grew up absolutely <laughs> and Phoebe you have more on that absolutely so Joan Jett was born as Joan Marie Larkin on September 22nd of 1958. Her father is James Larkin and her mother is Dorothy Jett Larkin. She was actually born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, which, as you might know, is just a few hours away from me. So that's pretty cool. Yes. She's the oldest of three children and her father sold insurance and her mother was a secretary. Now, in 1967, her family moved to Rockville, Maryland, where she attended Randolph Junior High School and Wheaton High School. When asked when she first knew she wanted to pursue music, Joan recollects back when she was 14 and hearing songs from the different musicians and hearing the electric guitar and thinking, I want to make that sound. So when she was 15, she asked her parents for an electric guitar, and she always makes sure to clarify she did not want acoustic guitar. She asked for an electric, mm-hmm. and they got her one. Sweet. So she says in many interviews that her parents supported her and never told her that she couldn't do something just because she was a girl. However... Society later thought different. One source says that she took some guitar lessons, but soon quit because the instructor kept trying to teach her folk songs. 
Her family then moved to West Covinas, California, giving Joan a great environment to pursue her music further. Now, shortly after moving to Los Angeles, her parents divorced and she changed her name to Joan Jett, taking her mother's maiden name as her professional and legal name. Oh, that's where the jet comes yep, from. Yep, that's where I like it is. That. I know. <laughs> and it's actually part of her real name. It's not something made up, which is pretty cool. Right. Oh, it sounds like a perfect made up name. It does. But it works so well. Exactly. <laughs> Love it. So Joan Jett, with her brand new name, started putting together her first band at 15 years old. The Runaways were an all-girl group, and they sang about rebelling, partying, and relationships, but not the lovey-dovey stuff. Now, remember that disco was king, and these gals were punk rock and with a rock and roll nod. Now, the 2004 documentary Edge Play, a film about the Runaways, it reveals that each gal actually took inspiration from a character in look and also as a role model. So Sherry Curie, her role model was David Bowie. Joan Jett was Susie Quattro. Lita Ford was a kind of a combination of Jeff Beck and Richie Blackmore. Sandy West was Roger Taylor. And Jackie Fox was Gene Simmons. Yay. Now, the L.A. club scene loved the Runaways. Mainstream music was actually pretty scared of them. <laughs> but Mercury Records decided to take a chance on them. And in 1976, they released their first album. Their song, Cherry Bomb, which was most recently in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, was written by Joan and Kim Fowley and featured Cherie on lead vocals. And it became a punk hit. It was a massive punk hit. So the Runaways released a second album. Queens of Noise, and America was kind of lukewarm about it, but you know what? who absolutely loved it? Uh, Japan. Oh, yeah. Japan loved it. <laughs> so the Runaways were huge in Japan, and they scored three gold records That's pretty there. impressive. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. But not everything that glitters is gold, unfortunately. The gals started disagreeing with each other and with management. One by one, they started to leave the band. When Cherie left in 1977, Joan became the lead singer. The Runaways would have two more albums, but they were dropped by their label in 1979. Yeah, it kind of sucks. Yeah, it does. What did she do from there? So after the Runaways were dropped from the record label, Joan said that she didn't want to be kicked out of her own band and that she started. And so the whole band just completely stopped. Full stop. No more Runaways. Um, she even said, I mean, they were getting a little older. They weren't really, it, the Runaway didn't really fit with their theme anymore anyway. However, it really, really hurt her. Like, it took her a bit to recover because it was like breaking up with um like breaking up yeah. with a a partner or having a person die so it's it's a big deal it really is oh yeah so they all they all started to want to do different things and it was even said like Joan thought that the other girls got deals and different opportunities with other record labels but Joan didn't really have these opportunities she had to create her own and so still finding her style at this point, Joan did some traveling and searching before knowing what to do with her career from this point. So while debating on going solo, Joan went to England. There she spent time with Paul Cook and Stephen Jones and the Sex Pistols, who, uh, <laughs> there it is, the, the connection is <laughs> immediate and direct. It's not just influenced by, she actually worked with them. 
Yeah. And they were really heavy in the European music scene. So after that, she returned to Los Angeles, where she made some appearances in acting. She was in a film-based story about the Runaways called We're All Crazy Now. So around this time, Joan met producer Kenny Laguna and songwriter Richie Cordell. Now, both men helped her with her first solo album. She wanted to make a point to not form another all-woman rock band and have people compare herself to the runways yet again. That's fair. She wanted to be separated. Yeah, exactly. So Joan tried to get a record label to release her new album, but she was rejected by 23 different companies. And yes, she kept all those rejection letters. Mm Now, because they were so frustrated, she and Kenny just founded Blackheart Records in 1980, and they didn't really even realize they were founding a company, and um, they basically just had a do-it-yourself attitude. Um, Kenny remembers, quote, we couldn't think of anything else to do but print up records ourselves. So Kenny had just had a baby and started a college fund for his child. But instead, he took the money out of the account, about $5,000, and together he and Joan printed their first own albums and sold them out of the back of their Cadillac after she performed shows. And that started their record company. Now, this actually made Joan the first female artist to own and have direct control over an independent record company, which is crazy. And just... I mean, just based on some of her interviews I've watched, that's not something that was on her mind. Right. What was on her mind was how does she make it? How, how does do I get she... my record out? Yeah. Exactly. It wasn't being the first of doing whatever. It was, let's just get my music out there. So mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. I love it. So, so in making the record, she got help from an unlikely source. Um, It was actually from The Who. So... Kenny was friends with the band members uh, and their manager, and they let Joan use their record facilities, uh, recording facilities. So later she told Rolling Stone magazine that, quote, we couldn't we wouldn't have been able to record if they hadn't helped us. They basically let us record what became Bad Reputation, and they said, pay us when you can. I love that. That's artists helping know, artists right so there. Great. Yes. It is. <laughs> Oh, beautiful. That's how you get it done. Yeah, all right. Yeah, it's nice having uh, powerful friends like the Who. (laughs) Oh, yeah, exactly. But at the same time, to be cool like that, you know what I mean? Not only powerful friends, but like, we understand how it is. Just pay us when you can. Yeah, (laughs) just pay us when you can. Yeah. We know you'll make it. It's okay. Right. Love it. Well, in 1981, Joan Jett and now the Blackhearts released their album, I Love Rock and Roll, to amazing success. The title track, Joan had been singing for years and no one wanted it. And when it was released independently on their terms to their fans, it spread like wildfire and it reached number one and it sold over 10 million copies, giving it diamond status. Also on that album is the cover of Crimson and Clover, which is not only a hit, but has been stuck in my head all day. <laughs> and yeah, I love that exactly. version. Yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant. The next four albums for Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, they didn't get much public attention as much as I Love Rock and Roll, but they were on sold out tours with Aerosmith, The Police, and Queen. Uh, in an appearance what? on The Late Show with David Letterman in 1987, Joan talked about how she doesn't really take a break. 
The band was on tour 250 days out of the year. And when they weren't on the road, they were in the studio recording. So they were busy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> they didn't stop. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but it would be the 1988 album Up Your Alley that had the hit I Hate Myself for Loving You, which I believe is a song you've had in your head today. <laughs> yep. That's been in my head all day. <laughs> and I added exactly. it to my friend's playlist today. <laughs> Well, that album went platinum and sold over a million copies at its release. Oh, my gosh. Fantastic. Now, the interesting thing with Joan Jett is that she does a lot of covers. In fact, I Love Rock and Roll is actually a cover of an Arrow song that was released in 1975. So when Joan Jett and the Blackhearts released an album that was entirely covers, I thought this makes total sense. So they covered some really great songs in this too. Most popular ones from the Hit List album were their cover of ACDC's Dirty Deeds, and then the Everly Brothers and Nazareth uh, cover of Love Hurts, which I can't remember for sure, but I'm pretty sure that was the version that might have been in The Wedding Singer. (laughs) If I'm wrong, it's still the same song, but yes. (laughs) Right. But Joan in the 90s was releasing Blackheart albums and also writing songs for movies too. Now, my personal favorites in this time were Long Live the Night on the Days of Thunder soundtrack and Let's Do It from the Tank Girl soundtrack. I loved both of these and these were soundtrack releases only. So I I purchased them. Oh, that's awesome. Now, in 2004, there was this interesting evolution in Joan. Her music became personal and political. She said in Interview Magazine, her song Riddles was, quote, a commentary on the state of our country. At first, the album was only released in Japan. Two years later, it was retitled and it was released in the U.S. as the album Sinner. Now, Blackheart members have changed over the years, and I swear it would be a whole show in itself covering all the fantastic guys that have been a Blackheart members over the 12 albums. Uh, But the fact that Joan Jett and the Blackhearts are still making albums, and as of this week's recording, still touring, in fact, they are scheduled to appear just up the road from me in a few days in a very weird serendipitous moment. <laughs> yeah, that was fantastic to look at that. I was just looking at the tour dates and I was like, wait a minute. This is this is Leah's town. That's wait my a town. minute. <laughs> I didn't even know they were coming. <laughs> I didn't either. That's amazing. (laughs) Oh, I'm stoked. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But when she wasn't making tons of albums, what was she doing? She was actually in movies and TV shows. No. I know. (laughs) Yeah. So before Joan got into rock and roll, she was actually interested in acting. And that didn't change. So, in fact, it actually grew. So Joan made her acting debut in 1987 in the film called Light of Day. It co-starred Gina Rollins and Michael J. Fox. And it was about a girl in a rock band. Shocker. I know. I know. <laughs> Typecasting is casting. That's pretty cool. Always remember that. <laughs> this is a good point. This is a good point. I need to make a note of this. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now I gotta go see if I can watch it though, because oh, it's a good movie. Cool. I watched it when it came out. I because re- I was a big Michael J. Fox fan, and I'm like Joan Jett. Wait, no, no, no. I know her music, so I was like, nope. Two people I love. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. So, did you like it? 
I don't remember what it was about, but I remember seeing it. <laughs> is that weird? That's not fair to the movie. That's pretty funny. So I guess That's it was just okay. It wasn't horrible and it wasn't phenomenal. So, you know, I guess I had a good time because I like both of them. Hey, fair and enough. I still like both of them. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, that's fair. Right. Mm. So she actually also appeared in independent films, including The Sweet Life and Boogie Boy. Now, I had to like do a double take because I thought it was like The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, which would have been funny, but <laughs> right. that's a totally different thing. <laughs> that is where my mind went first, actually. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, wait, no, that can't be. That, that has to be, oh, that, okay. Exactly. Now, that one, I, those I have not seen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've admittedly seen parts of things, oh, but that's the sweet life of Zach and Cody, not <laughs> the actual thing in this. Yeah. Anyway, totally different. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> so now not only did she appear in movies, but she helped produce some. So there's a movie about her old band called The Runaways, and it's the movie's called The Runaways, and it stars Kristen Stewart as Joan Jett and Dakota Fanning as Cherry Curry. Now, I'm intrigued enough to seek it out and try to watch it. However, as Leah has pointed out, all of our streaming services don't have it. Mm-hmm. So We it, haven't been able it, to find it. I, I don't know. We'll no, we can't it. find it. We will find it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I need to see this. I need to see. I just, I'm both excited and very terrified right. about this idea. Because <laughs> exactly. I can't imagine anybody playing Joan Jett. Other but than Joan Jett. I know, and then exactly, It's like, right? wait, but if you have to cast somebody, I, uh, I don't know. I what, know. It's going to be tough. It's not Joan Jett, but it is Joan Jett, and it's produced by Joan Jett, so it's like, oh, must see uh, it. <laughs> have to watch it. Might not be happy. I don't know. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, you know what? Also, if any of our listeners have seen it, mm-hmm. seriously, let us oh know gosh, on social yeah. media what you no, thought. tell yeah, us. Yeah, because you might be able to let us know before we can even find it. So, yes. Yeah, exactly. Please. <laughs> yes. Please tell us how we can watch it, what you thought, all of these things. And right. other Joan Jett movies, because that'd be cool. Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, The Runaways was her baby, and she protected that. She protected the band. So, the fact that this movie even got made, I think it kind of says something. And it's very fascinating to me, to be sure. So, I just, I gotta find out. I gotta watch right? it. Right. I would like to know more. (laughs) Oh, yes. So this is another funny thing. In 1997, Joan Jett appeared on the sitcom Ellen. It was in the episode Hello, Mada, Hello, Fada. So it performed the title song, which it's hilarious because I was on a bit of an Ellen binge today, uh, probably because Ellen and Joan Jett, like... Like, I was watching Joan Jett documentaries and interviews, and then Ellen popped up, and then I can't resist Ellen. (laughs) So I went on a rabbit trail and just went all, like, full stop Ellen and listened to all of her coming out stuff, the coming out episode Mm -hmm. and all this stuff that I didn't have time to in, in, like, researching her um, because we had lots more to cover. Oh, yeah. So I didn't have time to, like rabbit trail too badly so i rabbit trailed today sweet and then right like um it automatically played the next um episode after ellen's coming out episode 
and it's the episode where Joan Jett is on it. And I'm like, you've <laughs> got to be kidding me. This is so cool. Wait, really? I'm literally right now researching Joan Jett, and now I'm hearing her randomly <laughs> on something I'm randomly trying to 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 She's listen getting to your attention again. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm like, like wow, this in a is good way. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. I'm like wow, that's that's pretty crazy and funny. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of awesome, in 2000, Joan Jett appeared on the Broadway production of the Rocky Horror Picture Picture Show Sweet. as the role of Columbia. Which makes me want to just Aww. squeal and fangirl all over because that, that I would love to see her do that. That was amazing. That's cool. Um, yeah, she was in lots of TV shows in 1992. She was a guest star in Freefall and a first season of TV uh, Highlander. Also in 2000, she appeared on Walker Texas Ranger as an ex CIA agent turned assassin hired to kill Walker and Alex. I mean, she's just, like, all over the place. I love it. (laughs) Yes! (laughs) Perfect! Now, from 2000 to 2003, Joan hosted a showcase of a new film and video shorts, Independent Eye and Maryland Public Television. Now, in 2004, Joan narrated a short film called Godly Boyish about two teenagers who share suicidal fantasies. I mean... I I love this lady. Yeah, <laughs> she's all over the place, and you know, it. She's all she's promoting artists, but it also at the same time when she's in these bigger TV projects, she's having fun. So I love that. I Absolutely. love that mix. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> supporting me too. talent and having fun. Absolutely. Now she made more guest appearances on TV shows as time went on. She played Betsy Neal in the film Big Driver. It's a film based on Stephen King's novella. And it premiered on Lifetime. Now, in Sundance 2018, Joan Jett is featured in a documentary about her own life. Now, when she was questioned about this film in an interview, um, she said that she was still learning as well because she sees herself in a different way than the rest of the world does. So she doesn't quite know the direction the actual documentary will take. Ah. Um, And the more... Right? And the more I heard about this film, the more I wanted to see it. But, alas, it's still too new. And we can't watch it yet. But it's really cool that it's out there. And I'm probably going to be on the hunt for it to be released. Right. But it's really cool that it's so new. Like, yeah. it means it kind of shows all of Joan Jett, basically. <laughs> oh, cool. Oh, that's going to be fun, then. See how that yeah, one develops I'm really and where it goes. Yeah. Exactly. Neat. Well, Blackheart Records, on top of releasing Jones Records, they also release studio albums for punk bands, The Vacancies, The Eyeliners, The Dolly Rats, The Cute Lepers as well. Uh, They also released hip-hop albums of Big Daddy Kane, Professor Griff, who I know from Public Enemy, and Muta Baruka, a poet and Jamaican talk show host as well. Now, the two bands that are on the record label that I'm actually really 
really dying to check out, you know, the entirety of all of their catalog is uh, right. Girl in a Coma, which are two sisters and they have this indie rock feel. I was listening to their music and I'm like, yep, so I need the whole album of this. And another one is FEA. They have an awesome Latin punk sound. The combination what? of Latin and punk. I'm like, I'm in. I'm in. Latin Let's do and this. Punk. Oh, my gosh. They are Sign so me good. Up. <laughs> Songs in English and in Spanish. Both, uh, all of them rocking. So I'm like, no, no, no. I'm all about this. So I'm going to be checking them right. out. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, on the producing side, Joan started producing other artists as early as 1979 with The Germs. Now, The Germs only had one album, and they are a staple in the punk legacy. The Germs were influential on the L.A. punk scene. They featured Pat Schmier, who would go on to the, light, the later days of Nirvana, and also the early days of the Foo Fighters as well. So what? whenever you hear interviews with Pat Schmier, he's always talking about, well, yeah, when I was in The Germs, when I was in The Germs, and then everybody knows about The Germs. So she helped produce their one and only album, <laughs> Glorious wow. Joan Jett. Uh, Joan Jett worked with female-led punk groups, Bikini Kill and L7. Now, there was a movement in the late 90s called the Riot Girl Movement. It had three R's in girl, so I loved it. Uh, and Bikini Kill was the leader of this movement, but they always nodded to Joan Jett as their role model and inspiration for the movement. And Aww. Joan was their producer. So I love that. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. Getting that next generation going, you know, opening the door. Absolutely. So as my friend Laura said, Joan Jett is one of those people who you know is an amazing person inside and out. I am compelled to agree with her. She proves that not just by her words, her music, her performances, but also by her actions. So People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, or PETA for short, is an organization that, well, the, the title kind of speaks for itself, but it's the largest animal rights group in the world. Its slogan is, quote, animals are not ours to eat, wear, experiment on, use for entertainment, or abuse in any other way. And Joan Jett has supported them for years through handing out vegetarian starter kits to the public and doing other outreach projects. Now, she herself has been a vegetarian for over 20 years. And I saw a quote somewhere where she hoped she'd go as far as vegan at some point. Oh, yay! Look at that! <laughs> I know! More vegan Sweet. friends! <laughs> <laughs> yes! Oh, yeah. Absolutely support that and love that. Yes! Now, Joan first turned vegetarian because of her love for animals, of course. Now, after making the switch to vegetarianism, she learned of the environmental impacts of the intensive animal farming and became an advocate for vegetarian and vegan living. So that's pretty cool. Sweet. I am a vegetarian, she said, so I avoid con contributing to the major environmental damage that the meat industry creates. I hope that soon we can make sure that everything we do is earth-friendly. Yes. So that's perfect. just pretty cool. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with her. I watched a couple of documentaries and I went, you know what? It's one small thing, but I can do my part to <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> to not yeah. consume and not participate uh, you know, yes, in the the meat growing industry and things. So, I e totally agree. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I as well. Now, the Farm Sanctuary is another organization that Joan supports. The Farm Sanctuary was 
America's first shelter for farmed animals. It promotes laws and policies that support animal welfare, animal protection, and veganism through rescue education and advocacy. So Joan Jett is an absolute treasure. Honestly, I'm really happy to live in a world where she exists because just these actions shows her heart. And I mean, it's... She cares uh, deeply. You see her... Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And you see her like so many people, I feel like, look at somebody who dresses in all black and has tattoos and whatever and, say, and, and is a rocker is and in a rock punk and rocker. Roll. Yeah, like, right. Exactly. Like anytime you have a- any of those categories labeled onto you, it's like people see you differently and think you don't care and you're super moody mm-hmm. and you hate everything. And I mean, it could be possible for some people right but like we're all still human on the inside so it's Mm -hmm. like okay but jones really showcasing that like hey i'm human i care about things i'm a woman i'm in rock and roll like it's just like she just embraces who she is and isn't afraid to live it and it's really awesome yeah one thing that actually popped into my head um you know the the yin and yang symbol you know what i mean the the black yeah. and white the dual energy she's like the rock inside on one side and the caring nurture you know we're all, all in this together on the other side she's like both totally you know what i mean it's, absolutely it's really cool <laughs> and you really can be is. both and you can admire both yeah you can exactly <laughs> and she's like this rocker chick Who's also shy. Like, you can be both. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Very much so. Well, actually, she also does uh, more activism as well. So after the runaways broke up, Joan actually briefly thought about joining a branch of the military. But she met, you know, Kenny Laguna, who writes a lot of her stuff and produces with her uh, and had founded Blackheart Records with her. Um, And so her life took a different path than the military. But since the 1980s, she tours with groups like the USO playing shows for the troops in war zones. She loves military crowds. She loves their energy, the way they vocalize, the way that they throw their hands up and sing along. She calls it a very reciprocal sort of love. So in 2011, when performing in Iraq, it marked her 61st visit to a military installation, which is amazing. Right? I didn't realize it was that many. That many, and for that long, she's been doing it since the 80s. Yeah. I mean, that's dedication. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, however, being in war zones and hearing the stories from the troops and then seeing the political rhetoric on the other side, it really made Joan think. And after visiting military camps in Bosnia and Kosovo in 1999, Joan took the milestone of changing of the new millennium to not only shave her head, but to go on an internal quest. And this spiritual searching letter to... Yeah, wasn't that great? Yes. Oh, I love that interview. Um, The spiritual search led not only to new music from Joan, but political activism as well. So she participates in women's rights, voting rights, and of course, animal rights, like Phoebe was talking about. And when she's not on stage performing, she's a very reserved person. You see it in her interviews. Uh, She's almost nervous to say something that will either upset the interviewer or an audience member. But when she speaks up for what is in her heart and what's bothering her, she's incredibly wise and she's incredibly inspiring. Uh, That duality 
Bundy is so interesting in listening to her in interviews. Absolutely. I love it. But yes, her shaved head Absolutely. you loved because you you shaved your head and you loved it. And you still are rocking the shoot your short hair too. I am. Thank you. It's yeah, liberating. I, I may be so excited. <laughs> what was that? It's liberating. It is. It really, really is. And then I saw Joan Jett like that. I was like, oh my gosh, if I didn't love you more, I didn't know I could love you more, but I love you more right now. <laughs> right. And she looks good without hair and with that kind of like black mullet from the 80s. She just looks good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she does. I have a little girl crush on her. I'm not right. Exactly. Amazing. And nothing wrong with that. But I also think we're seeing her confidence. Like, this is who I am. Take oh, yeah. it or leave it. And you know what? I'm honestly getting to the point where like 70% of any woman's wardrobe is confidence. <laughs> it doesn't matter what else oh, yeah. it is. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. I completely agree. Yes. <laughs> so now comes the difficult part. Uh, what legacy do you think Joan is building? Because she's she's still working. She's still doing tours. She came out with an oh, album yeah. she's in 2013. Still, she's, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's still building. Well, um, she said in some of her interviews that... Um, Basically, she wants to empower women and be like, and she said a lot like um, she was told that rock and roll wasn't for girls, that she shouldn't pursue it. She shouldn't play guitar. She shouldn't do all these things. But she said that um, just because you're a girl doesn't mean that you can't do something. Like, if you have a dream and you have a passion, you should just go for it or you're always going to regret not going for it. If you fail, it's okay. At least you failed doing it. It's okay to fail. Trying it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. At least you failed trying. And that was what she said in one of her interviews. And I felt like that really showed her heart and kind of showed... To me, that kind of showed a legacy she wants to build because it's like she wants to empower women and young girls like she was empowered. She right. she was um, stubborn enough to say, no, I, I can do this. My gender doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's stubborn enough. She still hasn't... Um, made public her own sexuality yeah, because it's her own to. personal yeah. business. She right. doesn't have to. It's her own personal business, you know, and it's very admirable that it's like, okay, you're um, strong enough as a person in yourself right. to do this, you know, and um, that's very encouraging to me because I'm like, I love, I love her style. I love that she wears all black and um, and leather. All the, like, um, <laughs> I just leather, like all of it. But it's like when I when I compare it to myself, I'm very much I appear more girly girl. Like I wear different, like my my tattoos a butterfly. You know, mm. my future tattoos are gonna be flowers and stuff. So I'm like, oh no, I don't look punk rock enough or something like that like that thought crossed my mind Joan specifically <laughs> said right exactly but Joan Jett specifically said that the, the bravest thing you can do is be yourself absolutely and it's like you know what and, and if you can embrace yourself and be yourself in front of anybody then you're that's the greatest accomplishment and it's like yep. okay that's the that's the legacy thing that I take away from this. That's the okay, you're a woman, 
be proud of that. That exactly. and embrace who you are, even if it means criticism, even if it means failure. It, it doesn't matter. Just embrace who you are. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> All right. So mine's going to sound weird. Stick with me a second. <laughs> okay. I think that Joan Jett's legacy is she is building a group of warrior women. And I mean it in the best possible way. <laughs> so oh, yeah. I think the runaways were a test. The all-girl group and modeling themselves after men, but like holding on to their uh, femininity like a fist, like a closed fist, right? Um, because oh, yeah, the totally. runaways, they broke molds. They broke expectations. They shocked people into seeing women as punk rockers. They changed the game. Now, there was pushback and it faltered, but Joan kept like adding to her warrior women tribe. So kind of uh, think of it this way, I guess, in modern terms. You know the uh, the Dora Melange from uh, the Black Panther movie, right? The all-female military. yeah. Yeah, that protects the king. All right. So I think of it as... Joan, through performing, producing, and being a record label owner, she has been building that warrior tribe to protect the heart of rock and roll. (laughs) And she's doing it with women, right? And I love that, that she's building that, uh, that women army. Because the reason why I love it, too, is that tribe can go on longer than just Joan Jett. It can reach more people than just Joan Jett. And it can truly change the world. And I think that would be one hell of a legacy to, you know, warrior women protect and rock and roll. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Yes. So what did you learn from Joan Jett? Well, I think I I pretty much touched on it a little earlier. I kind of jumped the gun a little bit. Um, but it's basically be myself like that. That was the biggest thing I learned was like, it is okay to be yourself. In fact, yes. it's preferable and admirable to embrace who you are and accept it and like show the world. Like, don't just, don't just pretend you're somebody else. Right. Like, show the world who you actually are. And own it 100%. And, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's the biggest thing I learned from her. Don't pretend to be somebody else. Be you. I love that. I mean, uh, for me, I kept thinking, uh, thank goodness for stubborn people who know what they want to do with their life. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Right? We need more of them. I love people who- We really do. Don't take no for an answer. Uh, Legitimately don't. I mean, Joan wanted to be a musician, and when record labels, 23 of them, said no, she formed her own record label. She blazed her own path. Um, So unlike Sister Rosetta Tharp that we talked about last week, people actually know who Joan Jett is. (laughs) Like, they know her name. Right, And more than likely, they know at least one song of Joan Jett's. (laughs) Right. So she got out there and she reached icon status, despite so many people trying to discount her. And that is stubbornness to a certain extent. So you gotta... Oh, absolutely. I learned that and I loved that to embrace that stubbornness. Um. But I'm not a stubborn person. (laughs) I'm kind of like a, you know, go with the waters, go with the flow kind of person. But I admire it in other people. And I I fight against it. I'll be truthful. (laughs) I see somebody who's stubborn and I'm like, but can I change you a little bit? So that's just me. Um, (laughs) So for my own lessons with, uh, with Joan Jett, there was this quote of hers that really got me. And she said, quote, other people will call me a rebel, but I just like living my life and doing what I want to do. 
Sometimes people call that rebellion, especially if you're a woman. So it it really kind of actually got me thinking um, because Joan is saying that if you're a woman doing what you want to do, it must be rebelling, right? Well, it isn't (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) because you're just doing what you want. You're not overturning a government in a radical fashion. (laughs) Right, exactly. So because of uh, Joan's tutelage this week, I've finally been able to tackle a word that I have always heard is kind of passive aggressive female put down um, and been able to transform it. So I hear a lot, oh, I know you're busy or Leah, you're always busy Or if you're not so busy, could you? Uh, And for decades, I have taken the meaning of busy work as something that just keeps me from watching soap operas all day. Like, you know, like it's busy work. It's not legitimate or anything. (laughs) And that's Mm, just the way that I have always kind of digested it. So I've actually changing it to focused. So if I hear, Leah, you're always busy, it's I'm not busy. I am focused on a project right now that needs my hard work. So I'm going to change busy into focus because that's what I'm doing. I'm focusing in on something. And so it might be a little bit before I answer a text or an email. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. I know it's just words, but for me, it's like a mind shift. And I'm going to give all of Joan Jett the credit this week for kind of helping me get to that hurdle. So that's what I learned from Joan. (laughs) That's so cool. I love that. Sweet. Do you have any final thoughts this week? Because I actually have one that didn't fit anywhere else. Um, I think you should go for it. So I found this and I really like I said, I had no idea where to put it. Did you know that there's a Joan Jet Barbie doll? I did not. Okay, so, all these new Barbie dolls makes me want to collect yes, them now. I know. Because it's they're like, super oh, cool. Grown woman wanting Barbie dolls. But it's that a thing know, where it's, it's like we didn't have these as kids. But in November 19th, 2009, Mattel released a Joan Jet Barbie doll. And it was Joan's likeness with permission, full permission from Joan Jet to make this full as permission, well. Full permission, yay! So she got her own Barbie. Oh my gosh. So cute. I Roll want a Joan Jet Barbie doll now because that's just too cool it's very cool <laughs> well that wraps it up for us join us next week and uh where i will probably talk about tina turner's legs too much and i'm gonna really try not to sing proud mary more than twice no seriously uh we're super <laughs> honored and we're very open to learn from this amazing survival story of the legendary tina turner and that is next week so until then we leave you with this quote from joan jett I grew up in a world that told girls they couldn't play rock and roll. For more information about this week's gal or to check out our previous episodes, visit galsguide.org. To support the show, visit the Gals Guide Patreon page. We love our patrons and offer exclusive perks and behind-the-scenes access for as little as $1 a month. Thank you so much for subscribing to Your Gal Friday.